Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you today. And thank you so much for making this uh, hour a part of your Sunday morning experience and a part of your weekend. And we're glad that you're here today. We're continuing a study on the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to be reading from the book of Galatians, Paul, uh, a letter Paul wrote to um, a church at Galatia. And we're going to look at uh, chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. I invite you, if you have a device or your Bible there, Whatever it is, take that. We're going to read Galatians 5, verses 16 to 26, and learn something about the Holy Spirit as we do so. I'm going to read it here on the screen. You follow along uh, with me. Paul says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Let's pause for a second and pray and ask for God's leading and directing as we study this passage together. Let's pray. Father, I confess I have nothing of value to say of my own, but your word contains truth that is needed for our environment, for our world today, and for us today. And I pray, God, help us to understand the truth of your word, to understand what Paul was writing in such a way that it might cause us to follow Jesus more closely. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so when I was a teenager here in Orlando, one of my jobs that I got early on in life as a 16 or 17-year-old was to work in a citrus farm or at a citrus farm in Lake County. We had a member of our church, Carrick Price was his name, that was a citrus farmer, and he gave me a job working in a, on a citrus farm. And that experience that summer uh, working there really interested me in citrus trees. And ironically, uh, I've lived in Central Florida since I was in second grade, but I've never had a citrus tree in my yard. And I, since that summer, I really just had this desire, like it'd be so cool to have citrus trees. And so 
About a year ago, I have a friend that had some property that allowed me to plant some citrus trees on his property. And so I got the opportunity to do that. I think I got a picture that you can see here of the nine citrus trees that I planted. Well, actually, I have to confess, I didn't plant them. Uh, we have another member of our church named Sean, who's a tree farmer and tree planter and all that stuff, and he brought a crew and he planted. I watched as they planted nine citrus trees. And while they were doing that, I, I noticed each of the trees had a, a little tag on it because I wanted some variety in what I had, what I was getting. And so each of the trees had a little tag that told me what kind of tree it was. And so as they were planting them and they were pulling them off a truck and planting them, I'm trying to figure out, okay, where are they putting what? And so I'm trying to take pictures and I'm, I'm writing on something to try to say, you know, this tree's here and this tree's here so I would know where everything was. And Sean came over to me and said, what are you doing, Danny? I said, well, I'm just making like a little map, a little chart of where my trees are so I'll know where each tree is, right? So I'll know which tree's where. And he looked at me crazy. He said, Danny, the trees are going to produce fruit. You don't have to write it down. They're going to tell you what kind of tree they are. Every tree will have a unique fruit. You'll know the lemon tree because it's going to put out lemons. You'll know the lime tree because it's going to put out limes. And the truth is, that's the way it is. The, the trees have different fruit. And they're not putting off fruit yet. I'm seeing a little bit of sign of fruit, but, but when they do, I'll know what kind of tree it is by the fruit. I don't have to make a map. And that same metaphor is what Paul used in this very passage. He says, hey, I can tell what kind of tree you are by the fruit. And last week, Pastor David talked about the filling of the Holy Spirit, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then the filling. This, this filling is, is, Paul uses led by and walking with and living with the Spirit. They're all interchangeable terms, and they're, they're describing what it means to, to have a life where we're led by or filled with the Spirit. And so today we want to talk about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit, that the, that the Spirit is directing us? What does it look like? And Paul, in this passage that we just read, he gives us, there are probably more, but he gives us two indicators, two evidences, two things that you can look for to go, okay, if I got that, it's an evidence that I've got the Holy Spirit, that I'm, that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. So the first one, uh, the first evidence we found in verse 17, and here's what it is. The first evidence is we have a war. Let's go back to the other one. We have a war on our hands. So the evidence is you got a war on your hands. So let's talk about what that war. It's found in verse 17. Here's what it says. For the desires of the flesh are against. You see the way the passage is? It's against the, the spirit is against the flesh. Flesh is against the spirit. They are opposed to each other. There's this war that's going on inside when we have the Spirit in us. It's the Spirit battling on our behalf. When we are filled with the Spirit, there's a war that's going on that's keeping us from sin. And it's an internal war. It's not, it's not a war that we have with other people, no. It's a war that's going on inside of us. It's a war between the Holy Spirit in us and what Paul calls the desires of the flesh or, or the works of the flesh. Those are two terms he used interchangeably. And the, the list that Paul gives of those desires of the flesh or the works of the flesh, it's like 15 different descriptors, 15 different sins 
that he lists. Let's look at those sins in, in verse 19. Here's what it says. Now the works of the flesh, and, and here are the different sins that he lists. And let me talk about, let me, let me give a little detail to what he's saying. This, this first sin, sexual immorality, actually the first three, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. The, the first one is, is the Greek word pornea. It's where we get the word pornography from. It's a sexual immorality. It's fornication, promiscuity. It's anything outside of God's design for sexual intimacy. That can include extramarital, premarital sex, same-sex activity, and pornography, just to mention a few. And this lustful living and impure motives is the impurity, and the sensuality is the same as this, but it's lewd behavior and outrageous conduct, someone who throws off all restraint. So Paul begins this description with this sexual immorality. You know, in our world today, in our culture today, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of misunderstanding about what's God's plan for human sexuality. God's plan is clear. And I'm gonna, I want to state for us what I learned as a young person in this church and what I have believed and what we still teach and believe even today. Paul lists these expressions of sexuality that are outside of God's plan. And God's design is one man, one woman in marriage for life. And that's the only relationship for the intimacy of human sexuality. And any other expression of human sexuality, either in same sex, premarital sex, extramarital sex, or pornography, to name a few, are all sin and outside of God's plan for us. Any sexual, <clears throat> any sexual activity or behavior outside the bonds of marriage between one man and one woman for life is sin and not God's plan for anyone. We don't ignore or condone sin, and specifically not sexual sin. In fact, we call it out for what it is, and we do so with candor and kindness. And most often, we do so privately, just like we do with any other sin. We don't make it a practice to talk about people as often as we make it a practice to speak to people. If today you find yourself involved in sexual sin, maybe in some of the ones that I've described or something else, and you're involved in, in any sexual activity outside of God's design and plan, can I say that we are still glad that you're here and you've come to the right place? Because where else are you going to hear about God's design? We want you in church, and we're glad that you're here. You're welcome here. All of us are welcome here. None of us are welcome to stay the way we are, because God is changing all of us. And I want to invite and maybe even inspire you to consider that, that God's plan for you is a better plan, that God's plan isn't to harm you or take away from you, but to offer more than you can ever imagine. But in God's economy, we lose to gain, and we surrender to win. God's way is always a better way, and we access His way by turning from our way, by repenting and turning to God and receiving His grace 
And I want to invite and inspire you. If, if, this is, if this is where you are, that you turn to God. So Paul's list begins with sexual sin, but he doesn't end there. He keeps going. You know, when I first read the list, I like, yeah, Paul, you kind of started in somebody else's zip code in another neighborhood. But as I kept reading, it's getting a little close to my neighborhood and down my street and in my house and right here at me. I don't know if he meant it that way, but it's kind of how the list was to me as I began to read this idolatry, sorcery, enmity. I found it very interesting. These, these terms here, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions, all three of those terms have, have the idea of, uh, of, of politics and political terms that Paul was using. And they're, they're this idea that you're making people choose sides. You're either, you're either with me or you're not with me, and there's no in-between. And this, this term divisions, it's like a harsh term of saying, I'm cutting you off. Who knew that Paul had access to Twitter and Facebook, okay? Because this term for divisions is like canceling somebody. So the point of the list, the whole point is where are we on the list? I want to show you what it says in the end of verse 21. Look at what he says. He says things, excuse me, one before that, things like these. This term, things like these, it's like Paul is saying, oh, he lists 15 sins, and then he says, and things like these, as if to say, I could go on and on. You know, Paul knew the church at Galatia. He knew the people there. My guess is when he's writing this letter, he's naming things that he knows about them. And he's saying, you're on the list we are on the list. The purpose of the list is that we find ourselves in it. Can I encourage you that if you, if you don't find yourself on the list, maybe you get your phone out. Maybe you get your pen out. Make your own list. Like, what is it that's going on in your heart that's, that's not what God would want? Some of you be saying, well, you know, I just can't think of anything. Well, ask your spouse. I'm sure they can think of something. If you still can't find it, come see me after church. I'll help you find something. The reality is the list, the list that Paul gives, it's not inclusive of all sins, but it is inclusive of all people. All of us are on the list. I'm on the list, and you're on the list. So what's the significance of it? Look at this where we, in verse 21, that last phrase again, here's what he says. This is a harsh warning. He says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a very harsh warning and one that we need to heed. So what exactly is he saying? Is he saying that this is a list of sins that if you don't commit these 15 sins, you get to go to heaven? If you do commit these 15 sins, you don't get to go to heaven, that would discount grace. Jesus died in vain. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this, and don't miss it. It's the crux of the passage. It's the point of what he said. Here's what he's saying. This term, those who do such things, is, 
is the idea of practicing, like this is a part of your life, this is who you are. And what Paul is saying is if, if, if you are practicing sin like this, if this is what is your ongoing behavior, if this is what your life is described like, and there's no battle going on in you the way I just described, Paul would say, if you're not having the same battle I described at the beginning of the, of the passage, and you're living like this, that's a problem. Because that means that there's no Holy Spirit. The way I say it is this, no battle means there's no Holy Spirit. And no Holy Spirit means there's no Jesus. And so if you, if you don't have a battle in your heart, if there's, if there's sin in your life, and by the way, for all of us, there's sin in our life, right? We're all on the list. But thank God, when we have the Spirit, there's a war going on inside of us, and the Spirit is fighting on our behalf. If there's no fight in you, if there's no war in you, it never means that there's no sin. It only means that there's no Holy Spirit, or could mean that. Or maybe you have so rejected the, the promptings of the Holy Spirit for so long that you're not even hearing Him anymore. Be very careful because the result of no battle is no Holy Spirit and no Jesus. It means that the only way to come to reconcile that is to repent and turn to Jesus to receive Him. And if if we have no battle and no Holy Spirit and no Jesus, it means we're doomed for death and hell. This is very, very serious what Paul is saying. People who commit these sins or any sins and don't have a war within them, they have no spirit within them, no Holy Spirit within them. And that means we have no Jesus in us. And I want to issue the kindest and strongest warning that I possibly can. That if you feel no battle in you, no tension between what, what your flesh wants to do, the works and desires that are natural to you, and what Jesus wants you to do, and what the Holy Spirit is drawing you to, if you feel no battle, say, hey, I'm just happy, everything's great, I have no conviction, no sense of guilt, no, everything's great. That's a terrible place to be. Because all of us have sinned. Well, Paul, Paul goes on, though, and he says this. It's when we're filled by the Spirit, we don't just not do bad things. We do good things, too. It's not enough just to not do bad. He says we do good things, too. In verses 22 and 23, here's what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit, I love this list, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Another indicator that we're filled with the Spirit. One is that there's a war going on in us, and we know it's there. And the second indicator is that we display fruit. When we have the Holy Spirit in us, there is a work going on in us that makes us good. The Holy Spirit is doing something in this. Sometimes we... If we were making a list, I'm not sure we would make a list that would match what Paul's list is. We might say, well, I got the right vocabulary. I go to church every, every Sunday, and I've got happy spouse, and my kids are good, and I'm smart, and I'm educated, and I'm successful. I got money. This is what I want. This is what my life looks like. That's not what Paul described. 
That's not, that is not evidence of being filled with the Spirit. It might be evidence of other things, but it's not evidence of being filled with the Spirit. The evidence of being filled with the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. I want to talk about some of these terms. Like this love is the term agape. It's the deepest kind of love that we can share with somebody else. It's an undeserved love, unconditional love that we give to somebody. Joy is one of Paul's favorite words. It's this idea of extreme contentment, this joy that he had, patience, kindness. I love this idea of kindness and goodness. The goodness term is a term reflecting generosity, like out of the goodness of your heart you do something. That's what that means. Paul is saying that this is what the Holy Spirit produces in us. This is not natural. This is unnatural, what the Holy Spirit is making work. And, and there, there is a, a passive nature to fruit, you know, like I'm starting to see fruit on the trees out in, in, in the, on the piece of property. I was there the other day. I didn't hear any moaning and groaning in the trees. Like they weren't saying, oh, this is so hard and terrible and I'm working really hard. No, it's just, they're just producing fruit. But the fact that there's a passive aspect to it doesn't mean that nothing's going on. There is a transformation that's happening inside. I mean, think about it. The tree's taking soil and water and all the chemicals and they're taking the blossoms and the bees and the pollination and all of those things work together to create fruit. And that's what happens with us. Somehow this, this work is being produced in us, and it's an internal transformation that's taking place. You know, Paul is really expanding something that he says earlier. Before verse 16, Paul's talking to the same group of people and explaining what their role is. And I think it's in verse 15. He, he says, our, our role, excuse me, it's verse 14, our role is to love. And here's what he says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what Paul's doing, the fruit of the Spirit that he says in verses 20, 20, uh, 22 and 23 is really just an expansion, it's an explanation of what it means to love our neighbor. What does it mean to love our neighbor? It means that we're kind, gentle, patient. We have goodness. We're generous towards them. Sometimes as Christians, I think we're like, we're like the proverbial parents. We want to say to people, I'm going to love you, but this is going to hurt a little bit when I love you here. And I know sometimes we, sometimes I guess that's supposed to be, but you know what? When Jesus loved people, it felt like love to them. Like they were just, man, he loves me. And that's how people should respond to us. Jesus' love felt like love to the recipient. And the list that Paul gives here, it's, it's not exhaustive. Again, there are other terms that we could use there, but he is describing our interactions with others. And this requires an internal transformation to cause us to be this kind of people who display this kind of fruit. It does not come naturally. It's the work that the Holy Spirit does in us. If you find yourself in a situation, you go, wow, I, I 
actually displayed the fruit of the Spirit there. Something happened in me, and I didn't respond with my first inclination. Instead, I did something outside my first inclination. It's an evidence of the Holy Spirit in you. And why does it matter? Why do we need to display the fruit of the Spirit? you know why? Because we are the way people meet Jesus. The reflection that we have, the display that we have, the way we interact communicates who Jesus is to the people around us. You are the way that happens. The way we interact, where we live, work, and play is how that happens. Several years ago, I told you a story of an author named Brett Hansen. He's a radio and podcast host, host and author, and he, referencing this passage of Scripture, and I have told you this before, and David quoted it last Sunday, he has a way of saying it, describing the fruit, because sometimes we want to tell people what our fruit is, what kind of tree we are, and Brett says it this way, bump into a tree, see what falls. Now you get to see what kind of tree it is. Someone once said, actions speak louder than words. I heard somebody recently say, and reactions speak even louder than that. And sometimes when things don't go our way, when somebody betrays me or hurts me or somebody speaks evil of me or I don't get the promotion or I don't get the raise or, or a relationship goes south on me and things aren't what they're supposed to be and I feel cheated and it's not right and where are you, God, and how come nobody loves me and, and this isn't working out the way I hoped it would and I'm, I'm unsure of my future, bump into a tree. See what falls. Now you get to see what kind of tree it is. And Paul said, let that tree show fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Would it be something that we could be people like that? A month or so ago, I visited with one of our members, Arnie, Arine, excuse me, Arine is his name. He's from Brazil. And he's telling me his story, and he said, you know, Danny, I had a promising career, and things were going great, and then it, it kind of turned south, and, and I, I, my career took a step backwards, and, and uh, it's not what I expected it to be. He said, I, I had to go to work to feed my family to kind of try to pay the bills, and so I went to work at a restaurant, and and I just, I can't imagine that this is what I'm doing. It's not what I prepared for. It's not what I studied for. And yet it's where I find myself. And I was so disappointed with God. And I just didn't feel like God was listening to me. And he had disappointed me. And the people who I lost my job because of, it was just a bad situation. He said, but God just kept speaking to me. Hey, you're there for the people. Just, just love the people. Just be around the people. And he began to tell me stories about interactions he had with different employees. A lot of the employees there are younger than he is and, and they're asking him for advice and he's talking to them and just giving them good godly Christian advice. He was kind to them. He offered them rides if they needed to get somewhere or they didn't have a way to get to work or get somewhere else or run an errand for them, pick something up for them, take, help take care of their children so they could work their, their shift. 
He listened to them. He said, probably more than anything else, I just listened to people and the problems and the challenges that they had. Part of this was the aftermath of COVID and everything, all the uncertainties that's going on. And Irene displayed fruit. This unusual evidence, like a transformation was going on in him. He didn't even realize it. And he said to me, almost embarrassed, he said, Danny, I don't, I don't understand it and I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but I almost feel like I'm their pastor. I said, that's exactly what you're supposed to say and that's exactly who you're supposed to be. It's what Jesus wants with all of us. When we're filled with the Spirit, there's a war going on in us to keep us from doing the things we don't want to do and aren't supposed to do there's also a transformation going on in us and he's making fruit he's making this fruit so that when we when we engage with people it's a sweet sweet fruit that they love remember those trees we talked about this is like us probably this year I'll be able to pick my first orange, first grapefruit, first lemon from those trees. And what about us? What about you? And maybe today you're, you're still stuck back at the beginning of the message where we talked about, hey, there's not a battle going on in you. Maybe there's no Holy Spirit in you. Maybe there's no Jesus in you. Can I, can I invite you today to turn from your way? The, the Bible word from that is repent. All it means is to turn from our ways and to follow Jesus. You know, when Jesus was walking on this, there's one of his most common ways to call people into relationship with him was to say, follow me. He didn't say, hey, invite me. To be a part. He didn't, he didn't say include me. He said, follow me. In other words, I'm going my way. No, 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 no. I'm going his way. I'm doing whatever Jesus tells me to do. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And today, I want to invite you. Maybe today would be the day you would turn from your way. You would repent from your way and follow Jesus. All it takes is a simple acknowledgement to Jesus. I believe you believe you are who you said you are. I put my faith and trust in you. I turn from my way to follow you. I give everything I am and every, all about me to you. And then you can experience the grace and forgiveness that Jesus offers to us. If you'd like to talk to somebody about that, or maybe you just want to pray that prayer, I'll be down here after the service. There are people in the lobbies with name tags on, really friendly people that can talk to you about it. You can also text the word CONNECT. 40777 and today somebody will be in touch with you to help you navigate what it means to trust and follow Jesus Christ can I appeal to you in the strongest terms possible if you're not feeling a tension and war in your heart over sin it's a dangerous place to be don't leave today without making a commitment to Jesus and for most of us today our prayer our desire is to is to be filled with the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. Like the way John Piper says, it says, 
It's not led by like the way a pace car leads the cars at the Daytona 500. It's led by the way a locomotive leads a train. And we're the cars on the train, not the cars on the racetrack. We're not operating under our own power. We're not controlling the wheel. We're operating under His power, being drawn along by the Spirit to direct us and lead us and help us fulfill what He wants us to do. Part of my daily routine is just to pray a simple prayer. Just to say this somehow, sometime in the first hour of the day. Sometimes it's immediately when I wake up. Other days it's when I'm having coffee or eating my breakfast. Sometimes it's in the car on the way to the office. I'll say something like this. God, would you fill me today and use me and lead me? I give everything and everyone in my life to you. I want to be your man today, surrendering myself to the direction of the Holy Spirit. Could I invite us to do that together today? Could we pray that prayer together today? Let me invite you to just close your eyes right where you are. It's just to, to eliminate distraction. Even do this at home so you're not distracted. I know there's a lot of things even at home that can distract you or wherever you are watching from. Maybe you want to extend your hands out the way I do. doesn't matter if you don't. But just softly in your heart to God, repeat this simple little prayer. God, fill me. Use me. Lead me. I give everything and everyone in my life to you. I want to be your woman or man today. God, would you invade each of us with the fulfilling presence of your Holy Spirit. Cause us to be your people, displaying the beautiful fruit of the Spirit everywhere we go. That people everywhere will experience your love for them through us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.